Terry Fontenot deserves a big round of applause if he lands Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter in this year's draft, at least according to my guest, Damian Parson of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Serious Black, a.k.a. Mr. Drew. And, of course, the most humble host that has ever existed on this planet Earth, from Chile to Alaska to Siberia, all the way down to Singapore. I am that very, very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode of this illustrious podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And please, everyone, make this illustrious podcast your first listen each and every day. We thank you for doing so. And of course, you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcast so later on today's episode much like yesterday's episode where we talked about clemson defensive end miles murphy's pro day we're going to be talking about illinois cornerback devin witherspoon's private workout we'll save that for the end first let's join my guest from locked on nfl draft uh the other half we had keith sanchez on yesterday we have damian parson on today we'll get his insights and who he likes the falcons to take at the top of the draft or whether or not uh oregon cornerback christian gonzalez has has what it takes to outshine aj terrell here in atlanta so we'll get into all of that right now on today's locked on falcons all right everyone we are back with another illustrious guest he is none other than damian parson one of the co-hosts of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. You can also find his work over at the Draft Network. Damien, my friend, welcome to the show. Hey, man, what's going on, man? Happy to be here, man. Happy, you know, Falcons, uh, the Falcons uh, fans always uh, show me a lot of love on social media, so I have no problem coming in and talking some ball. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, we'll, we'll see if the Falcon fans will – continue to show you love uh, based off of your answer for the upcoming question. But I'm just curious to pick your brain. I'll ask you the same question I asked Keith the other day. Uh, is there a player that you could see the Falcons taking at number eight overall or in the first round in general that you would sit there, stand up, clap, applaud, and say that is an absolute home run of a pick for the Atlanta Falcons? Uh, I think the <clears throat> I, I would say probably the low-hanging fruit is Jalen Carter. If he was, you know, to to slip down the board to eight, that one of the, you know, of course, all the quote unquote immature stuff and the, you know, the the events that's you know taking place since January for him, um, you know, if you find some solace in knowing that hey, these are just immature blips and not like trends that's going to continue through his career, right? You, you talk with the young man. If he does fall to you, man, you get yourself a blue chip player, one of the top three players in this draft. And arguably to me, he's the best player in this draft. And what he's able to do at his position, there's no there, there's such a drop-off at defensive tackle uh, after him. Uh, plays the run, dynamic, you know, in terms of getting upfield. And just that power he plays with as well. 
as we all know, Jordan Davis, Devontae White were both first-round picks last year from Georgia. Trayvon Walker was on that defense as well. But the guy everyone talked about was still at, at Georgia, and that was Jalen Carter. So if he was a slip to eight, yes, I think he would be the home run pick. Or I think the only other one, man, I think he's the true home run, but I think grabbing the best corner available would be huge too. Um, you know, which to me right now, my top corner is Christian Gonzalez. I think you you pair him up with AJ Terrell, and you have two booking corners that you can really lock down the perimeter. And you you think back to I'm not now nah, I want people to understand what I'm about to say. I'm not saying they're Revis and Cromartie, but you think back to what Rex Ryan did when he had two guys like you know Darrell Revis and Antonio Cromartie, where he could put those guys on island. Now you start seeing blitz packages, you start seeing more cover zero, cover one rolling coverage and and really closing in between the hashes. So I think getting the best corner, which is to me, Chris Gonzalez. And then like I said, if Jalen Carter's there, uh, those are two home run selections in my opinion. Well, I, I do want to pick your brain a little bit further uh, on Christian Gonzalez, but I, I want to circle back to Jalen Carter. When you stack uh, Jalen Carter historically, right? You know, the term generational gets thrown around far yes. too often in this industry. But, you know, which top D tackles are you going back towards? Are you going back to Quinn Williams? Are you going all the way back to Indomitian Sue? Sort of how far do you, do you have to go back to find a comparable defensive tackle compared to Jalen Carter? I think the Quinn Williams one is, is really comparable. Um, I think he's of course, court, I think Carter's a much more explosive athlete than, than Quinnen was, but play, play style, same, both physical dudes. And this year we finally got to see Quinnen be Quinnen and take that step forward for the New York Jets. I think my comp for my oh, actual comp for Jalen Carter was Chris Jones. Um, you know what I mean? Just extremely, uh, extremely disruptive guy. And, and like I said, from an athletic standpoint, he does things he's not supposed to be able to do as a defensive tackle. Georgia put him on the edge and st- stood him up as an edge rusher. They ran him around uh, the, the the corners as a uh, as a, a in the twist and stunt games, and he's able to flip his hips and turn the corner like a defensive end. And the things that he's able to do physically is just outstanding, man. So I, I think that that. Quinn Williams, um, I think me and Keith talked about Ndamukong Sue was a name that, that we discussed um, as well. I think Ndamukong Sue was a bigger body, you know, in terms of just his frame. But uh, the Quinn Williams, uh, and then like I said, just a ceiling comp for me is you get Chris Jones, a guy that I believe, you know, we've seen him 10-plus sacks from the D-tackle spot. Like, you know what I mean? It's not really something that you see on a day-to-day basis or even a year-to-year basis at that position. Yeah, yeah. The Chris Jones comp is, is very high praise. We don't give Chris Jones enough credit because Aaron Donald exists. And exactly you know, if 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 Aaron Donald didn't exist, you know, that alien hadn't descended down uh, to planet Earth to, to play football for these last, you know, seven, eight years. You know, we would look at Chris Jones as, as probably the most dominant interior player 100%. in the league and, and certainly for for quite some time. Yes, sir. All right, so we'll continue this conversation here with uh, DP and uh, talk a little bit more about Christian Gonzalez, that top corner on his board as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. So we're keeping it going here on Locked on Falcons, guys, and I want to tell you about uh, FanDuel, right? Because the NBA playoffs are just like a week or two away, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means if your first bet doesn't win, you get bonus bets back 
up to $1,000. Just download the app that's safe, secure, super easy to use, or you can head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up and claim your no sweat first bet. And then you can wager on anything when it comes to the NBA playoffs from money line to points scored to threes drained. And if the NBA isn't your speed, you can still head on over to FanDuel and smash that over. For the Falcons, 2023 win total of seven and a half games, or if you're feeling some type of way, I guess you can go under. But regardless of where you go on the Falcons or the NBA playoffs, don't miss your chance for a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on today to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So picking up here with Damian Parson of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, and you already mentioned how you think Oregon cornerback Christian Gonzalez could be a potential home run pick for the Falcons and, you know, tag teaming with A.J. Terrell, giving a Revis and Cromartie-esque cornerback uh, duo that could allow the defensive coordinator here in Atlanta, uh, former New Orleans Saints D-line coach Ryan Nielsen, an opportunity to, you know, do lots of different creative things with the Falcons defense. But I'm curious, uh, Damon, um, when you look at Christian Gonzalez versus A.J. Terrell, we, we've seen A.J. Terrell be one of the top corners in the league. I'm just curious, like, do you sort of look at Christian Gonzalez as like that's a guy that could be even better than A.J. Terrell, or would he kind of be stuck being sort of the the Robin to A.J. Terrell's Batman? I'm just curious, how do you sort of compare those two players? Man, um, I think, you know, A.J. Terrell is a guy, you know, you look at his game, he's he's grown so much over the past couple of years. Uh, I know he works with one of the best cornerback, you know, coaches in, in, in the game right now, you know, Oliver Davis, my guy O.D. So looking at these two players, for me, I think there'll be one A, one B. I think AJ Terrell will still be the top guy. The ball production, uh, I think that that's where they're, they're com- contrasting styles. Both are really sticky in coverage. Uh, good athletes can stop, start, flip, and turn and transition out of breaks with receivers and essentially at times run the route for the receiver, can play from off coverage, play press man, and both of them, both those guys can play zone as well. But I think the ball skills for Christian Gonzalez and what we saw this year, be able to take the ball away um, and really give the ball back to his offense, I think that's where the, the styles vary a little bit. I think he has better ball skills coming out of college than um, A.J. Terrell did. I think he's, he's more – at times he, though, this year he looked kind of like a receiver in terms of the way he was able to catch the ball and attack the ball at the highest point and, and you know, just pull the ball out, pluck the ball out of the air. Very similar to a receiver because typically there was some of DBs can't catch, but Christian Gonzalez was able to do that this year. So I think it would be a 1A, 1B situation, of course. Gonzalez being a rookie, you have to get his bearings in the NFL, right? Get used to these uh, to, to to these top end type of receivers and uh, become, you know, he's a student of the game. Talk to one of the coaches that know him very well. He's extremely studious, really hardworking kid. So, you know, I have no doubts that he'll transition uh, to the league well enough, but more so just getting up to speed to it as a day, as a day one starter as a rookie. So I think AJ Terrell will still be that top dog, but this is a situation where you have a one A one B where I don't have to move my guys. You know what I mean? It's like, you you know, because that's what offenses do, right? It's like, oh, well, you know what? A.J. Terrell's on the outside. Let's move our guy into the slot. And then A.J. AJ Terrell being the top guy last year, he had to move into the slot at times. And, 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 and it stressed him a little bit. It wasn't the best situation for him, but he was willing to do so for the team. Now it's like, okay, you want to move him to the – you want to keep A.J. Terrell on the defensive left? 
offensive right, hey, we're going to move my receiver to the X spot. Well, I got Christian Gonzalez sitting over there. So it's like no matter where you put him, I have a top-tier type of corner with size, length, and athleticism that can match up with all these different bodies, body types of athletic profiles in the, in the NFL. And then if you want to throw him in the slot, cool. We could just bracket him with a safety and a, and a nickel corner and really take away your first read. Now, you talk about the ball production that Christian Gonzalez had, especially this past year, and we didn't quite see the interceptions uh, when he was at Colorado. I'm just curious to pick your brain on how do you factor that in when you're evaluating a, a cornerback, uh, you know, when you see that lack of ball production, do, do, does it ding the player or do you have to sort of look at it on a sort of case or case by case basis? Uh, typically case by case, you know what I mean? It's, it's something that you want to see, of course, but the first, you know, I'll, first thing is like, just cover your, cover your guy, right? Cover your guy, blanket them, put it, you know, be in that hip pocket where you're in position. And it's like, all right, is it if you don't have the ball production, it's like, why is it dropped interceptions? Um, you know, some guys, they can play man to man coverage, but they struggle down the field to turn and find the ball, find a locate. So that's something that's a little more difficult to teach. Ball, you know, in terms of catching the football, man, I can put you in the jugs machine after practice, you know what I mean? Get you and help you get up to speed and, and, and get more comfortable catching the ball. And we can work on those type of things, right? As long as you are able to be in position. So I think that's, you know, you, you factor it in, but you also look at the tape and see why. And for me, it was just like seeing him go to, I think not so much a, I would say it's a confidence thing too. Going to play in Oregon with that, you know, uh, new head coach Dan Landing, who was the defensive coordinator at Georgia for the past couple of seasons, you know, and what he does defensively for his corners, he gives those guys freedom, but he gives them confidence. Like, hey, I believe that you can go out there and get it done. And then he emphasizes certain things too. So I would not be surprised if he emphasized, hey, ball skills, catching the football, taking the ball away from from opposing especially in the big in, in the pack 12 they got they had some nice quarterbacks out there some high octane passing offenses man with usc and washington state washington you got to take the ball away to give your offense a chance to kick because most of those games for the most part look like shootouts so you got to take the ball away so i think that's probably something that that uh factored in as well so i watched him at, at colorado he was more to me he was more coverage uh focused trying to stay in phase tightly uh, squeezed to the receiver. And this year it was like, okay, I know that I can do this at a high level. Now let's take it to another, to another level itself and take the ball away. So uh, DP, I got to ask you, you know, you got Dame's dudes. This is, you know, for those of you that are unfamiliar with this, this is like his guys, the players that he especially likes. And I want to kind of focus on pass rushers, right? Because, you know, a lot of time, at least here on this podcast, we focus a lot on the pass rushers at the top of the draft. And so yeah. I'm putting it to you to have, uh, you know, a different pass rusher that you could see blossoming here in Atlanta, you know, for day one, day two, and day three. Do you have a couple of dudes for me? Oh, of course, of course, man. Um, uh, Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Um, he's more, granted, he's he's built and shaped as like 6'5", 270, more like a 4'3 defensive end. And, um, I'm, you know, I know previously you guys ran that, that kind of a 3-4, but like you put him on the edge, I think he, he could stand up and rush. We saw from his testing numbers, finding that he's healthy uh, at his, you know, his uh, individual pro day, <clears throat> I think it was yesterday, 4-5-2, 
in the 40, explosive guy, can really get upfield in a hurry. The main thing for him is just continuing to develop his pass rush plan because uh, he uses the long arm, he uses the speed to power conversion, but he plays with a high motor. Uh, even if he is blocked the, the initial time, he throws spin moves and he just works to refit his hands and get free. So day one, um, if they were to if, if uh, Jalen Carter or Christian Gonzalez, one of those guys that may be high on their boards, isn't available at eight and they wanted to go still go defensive line, you could go on Miles Murphy on day one. Day two, you know, one of my one of my favorite guys in this class, and that is um, Derek Hall out of Auburn. Um, you know, edge rusher, 6'5", 6'4", 6'5", 255, 4'5", four, 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 five, five, I think, in, in the 40-yard dash. But similar to Miles Murphy, he – explosive guy that power that he plays with. I remember talking to one of his defensive line coaches and he told me he said man he takes setting the, the, the edge versus the run personal. He was like he doesn't want to get blocked by tight ends. He doesn't want to get washed down and he wants running backs to see him cleanly on the edge so they know not to come out there. And I was like that's the type of stuff you love because you know he's gonna get on the field early. And for a team that is uh you know the, the Falcons have I think like 21 sacks uh, you know, the whole entire season, he's a guy that can bring that juice off the edge, bringing in those 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 defensive linemen that you have now, Grady, uh, Anyamata, Calais Campbell. Those are guys that the edge rushers and Arnold Epichetti, you put pair the D'Angelo Malone coming in as like a, another, uh, you know, another rotational guy, and then Derek Hall on day two. I think you really could juice up this pass rush and really see those numbers increase um, in 2023. And in terms of day three, Man, there's a, there's a one of my guys, Nick Herbig, man, um, out of Wisconsin. He's a little undersized. He's like 228, 230. So he may not play the like full time edge role, but you think about adding him as a, um, it's kind of a change up. You know what I mean? Bring him out, a DPR of sorts. Guy has great hands. No, he knows how to win. He knows how to win one on one and win the edge. Uh, double hand swipes. He can dip and, and bend underneath. Uh, he, he can convert speed to power with a two hand bull rush. <clears throat> and work inside with his with his uh, counter moves as well. Very to me, it's a very nuanced pass rusher. He just doesn't have the the frame and size that we want to play all three downs. Uh, but it's a guy that you bring in off off the off the bench. You know, fresh legs. That's the one thing offensive linemen hate in the fourth quarter. A guy that's been chilling on the sideline and hasn't had to, to, to work all game. And he comes off and he's got that first quarter burst. And you're just trying to get out the blocks because you're tired. You know, it's been a long, hard-hitting game. So he's one of those guys on day three, I think, that you can get fourth round and really be happy with putting him as a, a, a DPR a situational pass rusher. I had a feeling you were going to mention Derek Hall when we got to day two. Um, player I, I'm a fan of. Has a similar body type as, as Arnold Ebiketti, but mm -hmm. while Ebiketti's game is more speed technique, you know, Hall is just, I'm just going to bully guys out there. And, and you love to see that, especially when you're not necessarily the biggest or the longest guy out there. So certainly would be a, a, a nice compliment to Arnold Ebiketti uh, for the Falcons across from him. Of course, um, it can go uh, Nolan Smith in the first round if he's, you know, uh, you know I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to drop that at first. I wanted to go a different direction, but. Nolan Smith is definitely a guy that I've looked at for for Atlanta. I'm like, it's low-hanging fruit because he played at Georgia and everything. But I'm like, listen, you can't teach what he has. And, and then also the person, you know what I mean? Like great, great individual, team leader, 
physical, like one to like you talk about Derek Hall. He also takes setting the run extremely personal. Like you're not going to move this guy off the ball. So, and then I was just all about him just continuing to develop his his pass rush plan and his repertoire. Uh, they for some reason Georgia doesn't really teach the technical aspect of the game for a lot of their guys. Yeah. Uh, we saw that with uh, Trayvon Walker and. Devonta Wyatt and Jordan Davis, it was more like, hey, just be athletes, be physical, be powerful, just just be you, be be a, a, a grown man in the boys' game right now. And at the NFL level, you have to become more technically refined. But, man, if he does that, like he's – like legitimately he could be one of those dudes that we talk about as one of the best in the game. Yeah, I think Georgia's defensive uh, philosophy is just like let's just get some bullies up front – and we'll just have four bullies and, you know, try to block us. And Bullying works. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's it's worked very well for them the last couple very of seasons. Well. So uh, we'll see if that continues for the Georgia Bulldogs. But that's going to do it for us here on Lockdown Falcons. Dame, uh, go ahead and plug what you and Keith have going on over at the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast, as well as other uh, areas, in the Draft Network and whatnot. Of course, you know, go, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube, uh, Locked on NFL Draft. You can also locate it um, for those who want to just listen to the audio aspect of it um, on your favorite, you know, podcasting apps, man. Follow me on Twitter at DP underscore NFL and, and my scouting reports, all of our, you know, all of our, our written work and stuff like that over at thedraftnetwork.com. Over at Locked On NFL Draft, we have a lot going Monday through Friday, not just draft stuff, college football, NFL implications to the draft and, so much stuff in the offseason, and we'll be talking college football all 2023 as well. So tap in with us. So I want to thank DP, a.k.a. Damian Parson, a.k.a. Dame, that dude. All right. He's got as many a.k.a.s as I do. All right. That's why, you know, we work so well together. So go check him out on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. But we got more to come on today's Locked On Falcons, including what, you know, Happened today at Devin Witherspoon's uh, private workout, uh, the Illinois cornerback, and we'll talk about whether or not it helps or hurts his chances of being the Falcons pick at eight and some interesting coaching connections between Witherspoon and some current Falcons staff members. And we'll get into that as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons first. But of course, I got to plug, you know, that dude's uh, podcast. Keith Sanchez, Damian Parson on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast daily, breaking down the top prospects, the sleepers, all that and more. So make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So wrapping up today's Locked On Falcons, let's talk about Devin Witherspoon clocking a 40 in the four fours somewhere in that range. I saw some tweets out there that said it was as low as four, three, nine, some tweets that had it in the hot upper four fours. I think Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com had it at four, four, two and four, four, six. And we'll see what the official numbers say. Didn't see anything else as of this recording about any of his other uh, testing and, and drills uh, at the pro day. I'm assuming they all went well, um, but just, uh, to compare those 40 times, a 439 for a cornerback, according to mockdraftable.com, would be 83rd percentile in terms of 40 time. 442 would be 78th percentile. 446 would be about 64th percentile. So clearly, Witherspoon clocked good speed, regardless of where he fits on that spectrum, uh, but nece not necessarily elite speed. And that's important, I think. A little bit because that was one of the things that we wanted to see more from Witherspoon. By the way, for the sake of comparison, Cam Smith, the South Carolina corner, ran a 4-4-3 at the combine. And 
basically earlier this week on Monday, I talked about how if you don't get Devin Witherspoon in round one, you could probably get a similar player in Cam Smith, similar competitive physical player uh, on day two of the draft. And based off of at least the initial reporting on Witherspoon's um, testing, it seems at least based off of speed, there's not a whole lot of difference between those two guys. So for me, it doesn't really move the needle personally for me for Witherspoon to be further in the mix for the Falcons with the eighth overall selection. As I explained earlier this week, when we talked about Witherspoon on on Monday's episode, I think he's a good player. I just don't see a top 10 sort of caliber talent as a corner. And when we talk about corners that are picked as high as, you know, eighth overall selection that looked like Devin Witherspoon. There's only really one guy uh, that is that guy over the last decade or more. And that's been Cleveland Browns cornerback Denzel Ward uh, that has been picked at high with a similar, you know, height, weight uh, dimension as um, Witherspoon and and Ward was considerably faster. I think he ran a four, three, two, if I'm not mistaken. And Ward has been one of the top cornerbacks in the league since he got into league. I know he had a down 2022, but he's basically the second highest paid cornerback in the NFL, making over $20 million a year behind Jair Alexander, another player that a lot of people compare Witherspoon to. And I just don't see that caliber of prospect when I watch the film of Witherspoon with Alexander and with Ward of being, you know, a potential high-end number one corner, arguably one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL that those two guys have been at various points in their career. Um, that doesn't mean I think Witherspoon's going to be a bad pro or anything, but I see him more as a high-end number two as opposed to a high-end number one. And I know a lot of people say, well, we only need an, a number two because we have AJ Terrell to be our number one. And that's a fair statement. But I still think at the end of the day, you're shooting higher than that when you're using a top 10 selection on a player, right? That the idea for a top 10 player is you're kind of hoping that you're going to get a guy that's potentially, and again, this is not not always the case in every draft and may not be the case uh, if the board falls a certain way for the Falcons this year, but you want to be drafting a player that you at least feel like has the potential to be one of the five to 10 best players at his respective position when you're using that top 10 selection. And I just don't quite see that myself with Witherspoon. I feel like you can get that player at another position for the Falcons at eight and then still get a high end number two on day two of the draft because as Keith Sanchez, our guest yesterday said, cornerback is arguably the deepest position in this year's draft and you should be able to find quality starters on in the second and third round. So that to me makes more sense for me and that's why I wouldn't personally pull the trigger on Witherspoon even though I'm a big fan of him uh, as a player. I, I still see him as more of a mid first round talent and again, we can debate, you know, if you if you like him at 14, why not like him at eight? And it's fair. Again, I don't have a I don't have a definitive answer on that front. But for those of you that completely disagree with me and think Devin Witherspoon would be a great pick for the Falcons at eight. We talked yesterday about a coaching connection between Miles Murphy and his D-line coach, Nick Eason at Clemson, uh, who was also a D-line coach for Tennessee when Arthur Smith was there. There's a similar coaching connection that you may want to sort of, you know, hang your or sink your teeth into and hang your hat on with Witherspoon at Illinois because his defensive backs coach was Aaron Henry, who was an assistant a few years ago at NC State. And that's notable because this Falcons coaching staff past and present is chock full of former NC State assistants that were on that staff with Aaron Henry. Henry was at NC State from 2017 
2018 to 2019. The, during that time, Dwayne Ledford, the Falcons offensive line coach, uh, was there. Sean Flaherty, the assistant offensive line coach, was there. Dave Huxable, who they just hired as a senior defensive assistant, was there. Uh, Des Kitchings, who was formerly the Falcons running backs coach in 2021, was also on that staff during those years. It was um, Henry did not overlap with Ryan Nielsen, who left after 2016 to go to New Orleans in 2017. Um, but what's notable is right that with Nielsen the previous year, Aaron Henry's predecessor was Clayton White, or at least not necessarily because Clayton White coached safeties, and I think Aaron Henry was more a corners guy. But Clayton White's notable because Clayton White the last two years has been at South Carolina, right, where he coached Cam Smith, where he's been the D.C. coaching uh, Darius Rush, the other cornerback uh, that a lot of people think will be a day two selection and had, you know, a really good senior bowl, uh, Zach Pickens, the defensive tackle, also at South Carolina, another player that could be in probably in that third, fourth round range uh, if the Falcons are looking to beef up the interior of the defensive line. Another notable tidbit about Clayton White, who was Aaron Henry's predecessor. He was also, prior to joining South Carolina, Clayton White, that is, uh, was at Western Kentucky as the defensive coordinator and cornerbacks coach where he coached D'Angelo Malone, a current Falcon. So all of these coincidences, maybe, I think there's probably a little bit more to that. feels like we're playing, you know, three degrees of, of Kevin Bacon separation between the players and the, the players of the Falcons draft and, and some coach that knows this coach that was connected to this Falcons coach. So it's all a coaching fraternities sort of thing. They're all playing telephone uh, and, and tag with one another. So uh, again, you know, if, if, we, we can certainly be sure that somebody on the Falcons coaching staff has given Aaron Henry a call uh, and, and asking him, getting the inside scoop on Witherspoon. And I, I, I certainly think Witherspoon, you don't really need to <laughs> call uh, uh, Aaron Henry to figure out that like he's wired the right way. Like that's, that's the, that's, that is not disputed with Devin Witherspoon. He definitely has the right makeup as a person who eats, drinks, sleeps and breathes football. So I don't think they really need to spend too much time talking to Aaron Henry to get that inside information, but it is notable that, you know, these coaching connections are there. Maybe that leads the Falcons. If they take a South Carolina player, you know, we'll be talking about this like Cam Smith, like Darius rush, like Zach Pickens. Um, We'll be talking about that coaching connection with Clayton white as well. So just interesting tidbits. Uh, So if you believe Witherspoon is high on the Falcons board, going to be in the top eight players on their draft board then by all means, you know, point out this Aaron Henry connection uh, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. But that's going to do it for us, guys, here on today's Locked on Falcons. One again, appreciate both the Locked on NFL Draft uh, hosts in um, Damian Parson and Keith Sanchez the last two days to join me and talk uh, more about the Falcons. I don't know if, what we're doing tomorrow. I think we're going to have a guess. <laughs> like you got who it is, right? Is that? No, no. I think I think the guest may be next week. Yeah, that might be next week. So, I'll figure it out. I'll look at my calendar, guys. But we'll talk about something. Right? <laughs> we'll talk about something. But hey, if, if we don't have a subject, there'll be an opportunity for you to submit some questions to, to guide the conversation potentially on tomorrow's episode. You can do so via Twitter or Facebook at Locked on Falcons, via email at LockedOnFalcons at mail.com. You can leave a comment here on the Locked on Falcons YouTube channel, or you can hit me up on the Locked on Falcons Discord, a link in the description below as well. So that's going to do it for us here. Make sure you continue to make Locked on Falcons your first listen so that you can get the lowdown 
on whatever we're talking about on tomorrow's episode. And for your second listen, of course, you got to check out the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Check out the Locked On Hawks Podcast, Locked On Braves, Locked On Bulldogs, and of course, Locked On Sports Atlanta. And why not also check out the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, where Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino are taking you through what it's like to build uh, a successful NFL franchise. Their most recent episode, I believe they're talking about the Mac Jones conversation and whether or not the Patriots doing right by him or building the right team, all that stuff and more. Are they going to trade him? Those various things. So a certainly a worthwhile conversation uh, to listen to. So make sure you subscribe to the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.